0: welcome to Common Play, a geeky, kinky podcast. Common Play discusses all things sex toys, kink, feminism, geek life, and gaming culture. My name is Elia Winters, and I'm an erotic romance novelist. In addition to this podcast, I also run a blog at eliawinters.com. Thank you for joining me today. I have a very special guest with me on the podcast, which you probably noticed because it was in the podcast title. So let me introduce you to Kismet, Say hi. Hello. She is right here with me in the fancy recording studio, which is not at all my kitchen table. We're not live through Skype. We're here in person. In the flesh. In the flesh, staring at each other. Also in clothes, not just in the flesh. That you know of. Right. If we were naked, do you think it would add to the downloads of this episode? Oh, I think tremendously. Tremendously. All right. We are completely naked.
1: One hundred
0: percent, 100% naked. So Kismet, like me, is a gigantic geek, and I think that's where we're going to start today. So why don't you tell me, what form does your geekiness take? Uh, geeky shows? Are you into comics? Are you into movies or games? Tell us about yourself. I am
1: into just about every flavor of geek that there is. Um, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. uh Mostly video games, um, also geeky shows, um, a little bit of comics, mostly um, graphic novels, stuff like that. I play D&D with our fine hostess here. That's me. So expect a whole lot of interruptions because that's generally how our D&D sessions go. Right. Lots of, lots of side rants.
0: Lots of side rants. I think this whole podcast is a side rant. It probably is. I've gotten 17 episodes so far of Side Rant. That's just all of it. That's impressive, but Thank not you. as impressive as our campaign. Right. No, not as impressive as our campaign. <laughs> Kismet has been playing in our D&D campaign since the very beginning. Uh, how long? was that? It's more than five years, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. More than five years. And
1: uh, Ellie and I actually met. When we were starting the campaign, uh, we met at PAX when we rolled up our characters.
0: Yes, you remember I talked about PAX a few episodes ago. If you didn't know that, you should go back and listen. Definitely. Go back and redownload all the
1: episodes. All of them right now. All of them. Um, So we we met then, and it was basically besties from from the beginning.
0: Besties from the start. (laughs) That's us. I was really worried I wasn't going to like Kismet.
1: Yeah, I was worried about that, too, that there was going to be some of that catty girl stuff that we've come to expect. But after we learned that Angry Orchard comes in pints in Boston, yeah,
0: it was uphill from there. Okay, so I, gotta, I don't know. I've heard it both ways, with it's all uphill from here, meaning on an upward trajectory, and it's all downhill from here, meaning getting easier. And they're both supposed to mean the same thing.
1: Well, we both get easier with Angry Orchard, so... Uh, Yeah, definitely.
0: (laughs) I'm already really easy. If you haven't listened um, all the way through to the very end, the theme music I use for this show is a song called So Easy. And I say that it's just like me, that I'm so easy, because I am. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. This is not a slut-shaming podcast. This is the exact opposite. We're very sex-positive. We're pro-sluts here at Common Play. Absolutely. Yes, so we um so whether it was uphill or downhill, it was good. It was. That reminds me of um the phrase "a rolling stone gathers no moss," and I don't know whether moss is something that a rolling stone wants to be gathering.
1: Yeah, like is that a desirable
0: thing for a rock, or like what's the what's moss? What's the equivalent? Is it like something good, or is it something bad?
1: I think we need some rocks to call into the podcast, just to to just let to us clear know. it up.
0: All right, if you are a rock, you should write in to comeandplaypodcast at gmail dot com and let us know whether moss is desirable or undesirable, because it changes the meaning entirely. And since I base my entire life on old proverbs, I haven't known whether I should aspire to be a rolling moss or just aim for stationary a stationary life.
1: It's a good point.
0: Yeah. I wonder if the Rolling Stones ever had this question themselves. That That's a good question in itself. Yeah, it really is. So you're a little bit of everything when it comes to geek. You're also a language geek. I know that. I could make these points. <laughs> yes. Yes, I
1: am. Uh, also a history geek and uh, all all sorts of different types of geekery. Really, the only thing I haven't done is probably LARPing. Though I'm not opposed to larping,
0: I cannot say the same about having never done larping because I chaperoned slash was the faculty advisor for my school's larping club for multiple semesters. to be fair, it wasn't my idea. I don't mean to shame the larpers, not at all if you've never wa- If you've never watched Monster camp. I think it's still on Netflix. I hope it's still on Netflix. Anyway, go look up Monster Camp because you deserve it. It's so good. It's so good. And it's a docudrama all about LARPing. These students came to me and they said, Hey, we want to start a LARPing club, and you're probably the geekiest person in this school, which is true. And would you be the faculty advisor for it? And I said, Sure. As long as I don't have to plan it, I'm happy to do it and I'll even participate. And I did participate. And it turns out that if you've had a really rough day, then beating ninth graders with foam swords is really a wonderful, wonderful way to spend a Wednesday afternoon. I would imagine. Yeah. So LARPing, you you might want to include it in your life sometime. Yeah, I want to add it to my resume of geekdom. Definitely. Oh, resume of geekdom. Oh, I think I might use that phrase in this podcast from here on out. What's your geeky resume? Oh, yeah, that's a good. I don't want it to sound like I'm gatekeeping people, though. Do you feel gate kept? Gate kept? Uh, I don't think I do. Okay, good. I mean, because it doesn't matter if your resume is,
1: you know, incredibly if incredibly long or if it's, you know, fairly short. And... Right, just like
0: dicks. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's you know, it's what you do with it. That's right. It's what you do with it that counts. It's the motion in the ocean of your geeky geeky resume. I don't. <laughs> I, I love mixing mixing metaphors. Have you heard of um? Malafores?: I have not. Which are when you mix up two cliches or expressions like that. I
1: didn't know there was a word for it's it. It's called a
0: malifor.
1: My mom does it all the time. Um, <laughs> she, uh, she mixes up um, white on rice and flies on shit, so it ends up with shit on rice. <laughs> um, she also is fond of saying um, water over the dam. As opposed to, <laughs> As opposed water- to under the bridge. <laughs> that
0: oh my god, like shit on rice is my like <laughs> shit favorite. on rice. I've seen some that I really liked. One of them was "We'll burn that bridge when we get to it," <laughs> and it's not rocket surgery. Oh, I've heard, I've heard that. I one. like that one. <laughs> oh my goodness, Malifors! I didn't know there was a word. There for is. It. That's wonderful. You can search that hashtag. Oh, I will. And get some really delightful ones. A lot of them from our current uh, commander in chief and his <laughs> staff, mostly unintentionally. I hope they're unintentional. I hope so. Dear Lord. I don't know w- w- if that's scarier, actually. I don't know. I'm not really
1: sure. S- since you bring up our turn up in chief, yes. um. <laughs> I actually had a thought the other day when I was listening to, uh, I forget what I was listening to. They were talking about, you know, the government spying on your, your search history. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking, I would love to see Pence pull up my search history, mm-hmm. because I'm pretty sure it would be like when they open up the Ark of the Covenant oh. the, and and his face would just melt <laughs> when he saw my porn search history. <laughs> that would be doing a service a service to all of exactly, us exactly exactly mm-hmm.
0: yeah i i don't know how i don't know it's got to be boring after a while right i would think i mean if you're if your job is to police
1: people's internet histories uh-huh. eventually i feel like you have to either a build up a, a resistance to it or b just go completely insane yeah like, end up bouncing around a rubber room because of you know donkey shows and you know <laughs> whatever. <laughs> we'll you... just we'll just stop there. Not that I'm kink shaming. No. As long as the animal is consenting. The animal which can't consent. <laughs> is, is the problem.
0: And it's the only reason I accept all of my cartoon tentacle porn is because they're sentient in the fictional universe yes I'm still not into furries though sorry furries I won't king shame you here but there's a lot of overlap in the world of um tentacle erotica and furry porn there is yeah and I want um really specified tumblr search engine where I can check the things I want and check the things I don't want and then it will return exactly what i'm looking for. There I feel go. like i've talked about this on a previous podcast.
1: Yeah, i think that would definitely be beneficial for for everyone to be able to go through and do that. I mean, cuz there are some things that are very triggering to people. Definitely. Um
0: tag your porn people. Yeah, tag
1: your porn. Man, do the do the good the good deed of making yeah. sure that, you know, everyone gets to
0: see the smut that they want to see. Exactly. The smut that they want to see. That be should... the smut you want to be in the world. That's exactly right. <laughs> is that Gandhi? Uh, I think so. Yes, be the smut you want to yeah. see in the world. Yes. Oh, man, where were we? Well, uh... we talking about internet searching and net <laughs> neutrality? Your resume, Malifors? Yeah, let's oh roll, roll it back. This is roll this, it back. Just roll it back. Roll it on back there. <laughs> um, okay, so have you been watching any really good shows lately? I have. Um, Not the show that I thought I would be
1: watching. I thought I would be watching Sense8, which is amazing. So amazing. Go watch Sense8 if you haven't. Stop whatever you're doing and watch it now. Absolutely. Pause this podcast. Yes. We will give you permission to pause the podcast. It's fine. I've been watching uh, Attack on Titan. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm a little behind, but uh, I am watching the new season. We're a few episodes in and it is excellent. I recently binged the entirety of Yuri on ice. Nice, I need to watch that. Oh, you need to watch that. It's so good. I never thought that I would be so involved and so just hanging on the edge of my seat over figure skating.
0: Oh, I can believe that about myself.
1: Um, one of the things that was interesting, not giving anything away, really, they show you because it's a competition, they develop a routine towards the beginning of the series and Yuri does that routine over the course of the episodes through different um competitions. Mm-hmm. And so by the end of it you're like you know the moves and so you know like the areas where he's going to have problems and you're like okay Yuri you got to be careful going into this one. <laughs> and then when he actually sticks, you know, the landing and everything, you're just crying with with pride over this animated character
0: and it's it's really both glorious and sad at the same time i think that's wonderful (laughs) when Anne was on she was talking about some of the different anime that she really enjoys and it's i just haven't been able to i just haven't been as committed to anime as i probably could be i know i would really like it but i have uh I have a little bit of misophonia, like certain sounds make me want to stab people. Mm -mm. And many of the high pitched women's voices trigger my misophonia in a manner similar to someone chewing with their mouth open. I can definitely see that. There
1: is a certain voice actress, oh my god, I can't remember her name. But she was in Oran Host Club. She played this character called Renge, mm-hmm. and her voice is like nails on a chalkboard. And this is the dubbed version. This is the the American mm-hmm. version, and she's in like everything, mm. varying levels of obnoxious. But occasionally, when she gets really high and upset, mm-hmm. you hear the the what I call the air quotes the Renge oh. slipping in. And it just makes me want to punch someone in the larynx.
0: And I know that this is probably culturally influenced, that certain registers of voices affect people in different ways. And a lot of that is culturally normalized. Mm -hmm. And I can respect that. It reminds me of how um, the first time I went to the Romantic Times Book Lovers convention, which was... The first one I went to was down in um, New Orleans, which was unbelievable. But it's mostly a conference by and for women, although men do attend. And there are male romance authors. But mostly it was women. And the central gathering area was in the middle of this hotel lobby where there was a restaurant and it was all open air. But it was almost impossible to sit there for any length length of time because the collective octave of the voices was so much higher than I'm used to hearing. That makes sense. You didn't have that bass to the, the background din? Right. It okay. was mostly higher-pitched women's voices. And I was trying to figure out why it set me so on edge, because loud crowds normally don't bother me. And then I was with someone, actually, who has done some research into sociology, who said that's a common phenomena phenomenon, phenomenon that's a common (laughs) phenomenon when women get together in large groups is that they're perceived as being really shrill just because when we hear large groups of people our ears expect it to be all men which is really Uh, sad when you think about it but it also makes sense that does that does make sense and is also sad but that's really interesting Mm -hmm, yeah so if you find yourself being really irritated in a group it might just be that you're just not used to hearing lots of women together that doesn't mean that I can't quite I can't quite get over it yet for anime, but I'm working on it cuz I know I'm missing some really good some really good shows.
1: Well, contrary to popular belief, elitist bullshit belief, mm-hmm. there is nothing wrong with listening to dubs. That's that's a good point. Um so if that was a way that you could kind of get over that to the point of maybe starting to be able to watch things mm-hmm you know, and, and regulating it. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are so many good animes out yeah. there. So many.
0: I watched a little bit of Attack on Titan with my husband. And I started making up lyrics to the theme song. <laughs> They're mostly about climbing a big wall. I'm really excited <laughs> about these lyrics. I'm not drunk, though. So I'm not going to sing them for you. Plus, I can't think of it off the top of my head. <laughs> okay, enough about anime. Uh, for somebody who doesn't watch anime, anime has come up a lot in common play, and there's much more to talk about in terms of geekiness. So what That's are you true. playing? Because I know you're a gamer. Uh, Right now, I uh, well, I had been playing
1: the new Ghost Recon game, uh, Wildlands. I was playing that a bit, and I've been enjoying that. I have been trying desperately to play Friday the 13th, the game. Okay. But unfortunately, they've been having server issues. Uh, They were a Kickstarter game. Okay. And uh, they're having some issues with basically they they didn't expect the amount of people that purchased and wanted to play the game. Mm -hmm. Um, So they've been having all sorts of database issues and login issues and things like that. And some people are being really nasty on Twitter
0: Mm.
1: without recognizing the fact that like... the there's five people in this studio.
0: Yeah. I mean, this isn't Bethesda.
1: Exactly. They're a very small studio. They're working the entire holiday weekend away from their families, trying to get this straightened out so people can play the game. Right. What I have played of it has been phenomenal. It's only been private play with a couple of people, Mm -hmm. but it's fucking hilarious. Essentially, it is literally Friday the 13th, the game. You start off, uh, with it's multiplayer and you have six six campers and then someone plays jason you try to either escape from jason or if you're jason you try to kill all the campers that's great it's it's hilarious it's so fun Just screwing around in it, even outside of being able to play like a full, you know, with anonymous people multiplayer match. Um, Just Sir and another friend of mine. Oh, Sir is my longtime boyfriend and Dom. That's what I will be referring to him as.
0: You don't call him by that normally. No. But for the purposes of anonymity in this podcast. Not that there would be anything wrong with calling him that all the time. No. We just don't have that dynamic. Right. But we were playing
1: it. And it just just screwing around with it is so fun because one of the things you can do as Jason is you can go under the water. You basically turn into like this vaporous cloud, Mm -hmm. and you can like fly under the water. And if someone's swimming in the lake, you can just come up from beneath them and rip them down into the water and drown them. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, or you like if you're trying to hide from them. Different people have different types of um, abilities, different stats, and so if Jason's like outside the door one of your characters might like totally freak out and then jason will know that you're in there that's what happened to sir when i was playing as jason uh his character had really bad composure and so i broke the power generator outside the cabin and his character just starts screaming so then i proceed (laughs) to just break every door down in the house until i finally corner him and kill him in a wardrobe
0: that's wonderful.
1: So, yeah, definitely get Friday the 13th the game. Give it a shot. It's really really fun and they're going to work out the server stuff. If you have it, please, you know, and, and please don't give them crap right. on social media cuz they're they're trying their best and it's going to be awesome it's once it's up and It's yeah. a Kickstarter people. It's a Kickstarter.
0: That sounds really fun. Is it PC, console or both? Uh all it's all of the above. Nice. Yep. Is it up on Steam? Uh, I, th- I believe so. Okay. I, uh, don't quote me on that, but All I right. think so. All right. That's good to know. I just purchased Factorio. I have heard of Factorio. Yes. My husband's been playing it pretty much obsessively these last few days. He's sitting on the couch right now, giving me stink eye as much as he can over the cat, which is currently blocking his entire computer screen. But Factorio is this game where you build factories, And you start with pretty much what's called the burner stage, which is coal-fired machines that you use to mine. And it then moves into electricity and you can go from there into like all these different power types and nuclear and there's conveyor belts and all these various machines. I've pretty much developed um, coal-fired drills and um, conveyor belts and boxes This is about as far as I've gotten. Well, those are important things. They're important things. There's a really steep learning curve for this game. So the problem is there's like these little aliens that come and attack you. And I'm not interested in aliens attacking me unless I'm playing a game where aliens are attacking you. And that's the purpose of the game is to fight off the aliens. Like I'm in this game to build machines. However, if you're playing the tutorial, there's not a peaceful mode for the tutorial. Uh. So you have to occasionally like try and fight the aliens. And I was just trying to figure out how to learn to put in an electric drill and connect my boilers. So I've since abandoned the tutorial and gone into free play where I have turned off the aliens. I've turned it into peaceful mode. I guess the aliens are still there, but they just won't attack you unless you attack them first. And I'm just trying to like get my footing. But you can do all these um train systems and it's it's pretty exciting. It's in early access mode. Like it's been around for a while, but they're still figuring out um bugs of the game and mechanics. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm just getting into it and that's pretty interesting. Very nice. Okay. Yeah, speaking speaking of games
1: that are, you know, kind of in early access still, mm-hmm. one of the one of my on my list, hugely anticipated games is uh, Pit People by Behemoth <laughs> oh, Games. God.
0: I talked about I, I talked about um, Castle Crashers oh, a while back. But, man, Crashers. Pit People. Um, I am uh, I'm sitting
1: here wearing just for this
0: special occasion. Nothing, nothing but, at all. Remember? Uh, well,
1: if I if I were wearing clothes, okay. which I'm not, not at all. I assure you, not at all. I would be wearing my 10 year anniversary Behemoth. T-shirt that I got at Pax because they are just wonderful. Mm -hmm. And if Behemoth is listening to this, call me. I will do unspeakable things to get a job at at your working on games for you. Um, But that's an aside. Yeah. Uh, Pit people. Um, It is a like a like a hex based strategy.
0: Yeah. It's turn based. Yeah. Like turn based -based strategy. Yep. The one thing that I was trying to figure out in the demo that I didn't realize right away is you can't control who your people attack. You yeah. move them next to the enemies and then they'll they'll pick who they attack.
1: Yes, the only the only way you can really control it is by character placement mm-hmm. and sometimes it's just it's just a shit show yeah. and they're going to just do what they're going to do regardless of what is the intelligent thing?
0: just like when you're a teacher.
1: That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. You put them in the seats and, you know, you try to do your best, but stuff happens.
0: <laughs> oh the uh the narrative voice of all behemoth games is just it's just wonderful oh yeah the introduction to pit people if you haven't watched it you can probably just go and watch a playthrough of the introduction on youtube yeah and it's hilarious so just wonderful you share your blueberries <laughs> with
1: nothing but a handful of blueberries and a stupid look on his face <laughs> It's wonderful. Go
0: play it. Go play I, it. It's just so irreverent and... Yeah, that's a good word for it. It's <laughs> irreverent. It breaks the social conventions of serious gaming. Yes. It doesn't take itself too seriously. And since I don't take myself too seriously, I appreciate that. And the wonderful thing is that it doesn't take itself too seriously
1: while still delivering a very
0: solid product. Definitely. It takes the game itself seriously. Yes. Yeah, I love that. I felt that about Castle Crashers, too. I oh, found yeah. myself laughing even while I died over and over and over again. Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I I don't even know how many times I've replayed Castle Crashers at this point. Mm-hmm. Probably an obscene amount that I really wouldn't want to even admit to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still go back occasionally and pick it up just because Castle Crashers. Mm-hmm. But, like, fuck the lava level. That's all I have to say is once you get into the higher modes, Mm -hmm. um, the level where you have to go through the stupid lava cave. Oh, my God. It is so hard once you start ranking up your characters and and playing on the higher modes. It's just a nightmare. And
0: lava can eat a bushel of dicks. That's true. Actually, literally. Literally, it can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did we ever figure out how much a bushel of dicks was? Um, oh, I did. Wasn't it like
1: 69.6 or something like that? 69.6. No, 63.6. And we figured it out using the relative average weight of a penis Mm -hmm. versus a bushel of cucumbers. Oh. Was how we figured it out. That's pretty generous. Yeah. For the dicks. It is.
0: But, but, you know. Yeah, it's a, it's all right. That's a, It's nice to give the dicks the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. So it could be at least, at least, at least. 60 dicks. Yeah. Right. That's that's excellent. So um, we're recording this, and I don't know when you're listening to it, because I I can't tell that. You know, you do you. I don't know when you're downloading this episode. But right now, it is the cusp of summer. Yes. We are finally, we're finally approaching, you know, long days and... Just, just all the, all the glories of barbecues and ice cream, ice cream, so much ice cream. Well, ice cream is an all season food.
1: Well, it is, but being able to go to the good ice cream places and get like the outdoor soft serve ice cream. Yeah.
0: Like this is the season for that. This is the season for that. And season four, going to the beach. Yes. And I bring this up because I know that this is a topic you were passionate about that I had wanted to discuss body positivity. Because as a podcast that is feminist and sex positive, um, I am also body positive. And this time of year, I'm reminded that it is fucking hard to be body positive in a capitalist consumer society. Absolutely. That really makes a lot of money from us hating ourselves. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yeah. Bathing suit season, pretty much the worst season ever Yeah, for the vast majority of people. Honestly, whether you are, I've heard this from people that are heavier, people that are average, people that are skinny, people mm-hmm. that consider themselves too skinny. Mm-hmm. Like, the entire range of both men and women, I think, would be united in saying that bathing suit shopping is probably one of the worst things.
0: Absolutely. And I think it's... um I think it's hard for guys in a way that we don't ever really um appreciate because if you are a guy or male presenting there are certain expectations about what you will and will not wear to the beach. And you have a pretty limited range mm-hmm. in America that pretty much you're expected to be in board shorts. Yeah. And you're not expect you're expected to not wear a shirt. Yep. And regardless of body type, this is what's the norm. And if you are swimming in a shirt for whatever reason and you're not a surfer, people are, um, people are unkind. Yeah. And in Europe, there's a lot more normalizing of skimpier bathing suits for men and the European bathing suit, the Speedo. But here in the States, that's not generally like you have, you have one choice. Yeah, you pretty much
1: it's it's like board shorts or bust.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Because people will look at you strangely. I feel like if you show up in a speedo, I right. mean, which, which is bullshit. Yeah, total bullshit. Like, I mean, if you want to wear board shorts, like, go ahead. You yep. be, you do you. You know, have a great time. That's that's sir's preference. Mm-hmm. Is more of a board short type thing. But I will never shame someone for walking around in a speedo. I'd be like. You rock your bad self.
0: Absolutely. I don't care what your body shape is. You wear what makes you feel good about yourself. Mm-hmm. And whether that's shirt, no shirt, speedo, board shorts, don't go naked unless you're on a beach that allows that.
1: Yeah. Make sure that everybody else consents if you're going to be like flapping in the breeze. Yeah,
0: exactly. You don't want to be flapping in the breeze without no. everybody's consent. Guys definitely get it too. And and no one talks about and it. And people don't talk about it. At all. No. And this, like, this stuff hurts men, too. I haven't experienced that. I'm a, I'm a woman, and I have a whole different set of bullshit oh, yes. around beach season. So last year, I got myself a fat keeny for the first time. It's so cute. Thank it's you. So cute. It's really cute. I got it from Simply B, who is not paying for this advertisement at all, but I want to recommend them anyway because they have a giant range of sizes, from very, very small to very, very large. And I was able to find this cute black and white polka dot two-piece where you buy the pieces separately and size them however you want to. And there's a variety of different styles. So I was able to get a halter top and a skirt bottom, but they also had bikini and high waist bottoms as well, with all matching patterns. And they're reasonably priced. Because I am a Torrid shopper, I'm a plus size woman. I generally shop at Torrid, and plus size bathing suits are ridiculously expensive. Yes. They wanted seventy dollars per piece for a two piece bathing suit. Are you kidding? Seventy dollars. I got mine at Simply B for like I think, I think twenty bucks a piece. So nice. I think I got it for forty bucks, which is, I mean forty bucks. It's not chump change. No, but if it's well constructed, Mm -hmm. then. But I got to say, I still deal with inner shit every time I go to wear it. And I wear it anyway, because it's good for me. And because I'm at a point in my self-esteem where I feel comfortable pushing myself that way. But I am always continuously worried what strangers are thinking about me.
1: Well, your bestie is thinking that you look fucking gorgeous. Thank so you.
0: That's very sweet of you.
1: Those, if, if any strangers are looking at you weirdly, they can also go eat a bushel of dicks along with the lava. They preferably can... in the lava. Yeah.
0: Get in the lava, eat a bushel of dicks. Yep. Um, I did find that I really liked having the sun on my belly, which is something that I have never experienced because I have never worn a two-piece bathing suit, even when I was thin enough that it was socially normalized.
1: That is actually my experience as well. Um, I even at my skinniest um, back in like beginning of high school, junior high, I never felt comfortable in a bikini. Mm -hmm. Um, I always opted for those little uh, like the little tankini Mm -hmm. type things um, just because I was never comfortable with my stomach showing. Like my stomach was never like flat enough. For my taste. In junior high, I'm thinking, like, I don't have enough boobs and my stomach is too big. I'm in junior high. I'm not supposed to have boobs at that (laughs) point. Like, I want to go back and just shake myself and be like, what were you thinking? Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I've also had some really big issues finding bathing suits and things like that. Firstly, there's a number of things that we could go into that are terrible with with female clothes shopping. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first thing I'd like to rail against is the dressing rooms. Mm -hmm. Of every store are, like,
0: engineered to make you feel shitty about yourself. Which is not what you want when you're considering buying something.
1: No, you would think they would want, like, you walk in there and you look... Like a supermodel in Mm -hmm. something, so that you buy it. Mm -hmm. Not, you know, body shaming you to put back everything that you picked up off the rack. Mm -hmm. But between the lighting and the crazy funhouse mirror ridiculousness Mm -hmm. that is involved in pretty much every dressing room, like you go in there, you're like, oh, I think I'm gonna look cute in this. And then it's like the mirror breaks when you look at it. (laughs) So that's like strike one Mm -hmm. against anyone trying anything on ever. I'm in an, a weight range that I feel like doesn't speak up a lot. I am
0: in the 14 to 16 size range. So you're at the upper end of straight size? Yes. But people, but it's very, very hard to find plus size or straight size in that range.
1: Yeah. I'm either too fat for the skinny clothes or too skinny for the fat clothes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a, a very good example is recently I redid all of my underwear. I just threw everything out and and purchased things that made me feel good.
0: A liberating
1: experience. Oh my God. If you haven't done it, do it. If you don't fit in that bra, girl, get rid of it. Get rid of that bra. Get rid of it. Those panties that like are chafing and awful, don't buy them just because you think you're that size.
0: Don't do it. Ignore the number.
1: By what makes you feel good. By what makes you feel good. I was shopping at Victoria's Secret for a long time. I'm sorry. And yeah, (laughs) if you like Victoria's Secret, have a time. More power to you. For me, I could barely ever find bras that fit me, Mm -hmm. and the bras that they ever did have in stock were like, you can have grandma bras, Mm -hmm. and even then, they didn't fit me right. Do you want beige, white, or black? Yeah, beige, eggshell white. Or like, is this actually stained? Right. Those were the colors that I was offered. Mm -hmm. And so I went into Lane Bryant, and the advertising, the fit, the patterns, just made me feel so much more comfortable and sexier than I ever felt in anything I purchased at Victoria's Secret. Because I felt like every time I walked
0: into Victoria's Secret, They're not advertising to me. No. And I think that that's a really popular misconception about Victoria's Secret. And I know there are a number of um, guys and people who identify as male listening to this show. And if your significant other identifies as female and likes Victoria's Secret, that is awesome. Yeah. But if you've just always assumed they do, you should ask because you, as a guy buying for a woman you're more their target audience. And because they don't, they know that you don't know what you're doing. And Victoria's Secret also targets way younger than their advertising would lead you to believe. Yes. That they are generally advertising for and marketing for teenage women who want to feel like they're 20-something college women. Yes. And early college women as well. And if you're older than that and you're shopping there and you like it, like, I don't, this isn't intended to make you feel bad about that. But I'm saying that if you have never really felt at home in Victoria's Secret, there's probably a pretty good reason for that. And it's because you're probably not the demographic.
1: Yeah. I mean, if if you feel comfortable in the things that you buy there, by all means, like, enjoy do you, you it do and you. rock it. Yeah. But I just never felt comfortable. I didn't feel yeah. like I could buy the things that were pretty. I didn't feel like things that they said should fit me right fit me right. Um, and then I know that bra sizes are like, Kind of different everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's supposedly a, a standard, but there really isn't. The sizes that I'm getting over at Lane Bryant mm-hmm. are completely different than what Victoria's Secret tried to put me in.
0: And I'm I'm sorry for those of you. I'm sorry that you guys can't see because um, her rack is amazing. It's it's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. Like it's it's fabulous. And when she got those new bras. I definitely was like, wow, your boobs look amazing. Because that's the friendship we have.
1: It is. Mm-hmm. It is. And uh, when she did something similar last year, I was also like, damn, girl. <laughs>
0: Thank you. <laughs> that's what your
1: bras should make you feel like. That is exactly what your bras should make you feel like. A uh, little bit of a, an aside, kind of diving back into like stuff I've been watching and things like that. Mm-hmm. But it is related. Um, there's this show on Netflix called Atelier. Okay. And it was brought over from, I think, Tokyo Television. It's a Japanese TV series about this girl who graduates from a university for, like, I think it's like textile creation. And she starts working in this small uh, custom lingerie shop. And it's all about her learning about the business and coming to terms with the fact that the things that she feels comfortable in um because she's kind of a plain plain jane air quotes the things that she feels interested in, uh, interested in having and what expresses her isn't quite the same as all the lacy frilly stuff that's you know the industry standard and it tackles you know what is beauty what makes you Beauty is what makes you feel beautiful Mm. and comfortable. So many positive things. And I think that's what kind of put the seed of the, like, I need to purge everything in my underwear drawer because nothing in my drawer made me
0: feel like that. That's such a good, that's such a good thing to know. I've got to watch this show. You mentioned it to me before and I really need to watch it. It's
1: super positive, super feel good. It is a little bit... It's not campy. It's, you know how like soap operas can get a little, like it's the, the overacting, okay, a little bit. Uh, it can sometimes be like that. It's almost anime esque in that way.
0: Oh, okay. Where there's that little
1: bit of over emphasis. Um, so if you can if you can get past that, and you get past it very quickly because good. the characters are just very endearing. So many good messages and so many very thought provoking moments. I like in the show. Absolutely go and watch it. I'm, I am really looking for something similar to it to move on to. Now I've kind of got this desert of something that like I need and didn't know that I needed until Mm. I watched the show. So if anyone has watched that and has suggestions of shows like that, like write in so that,
0: yeah, please come and play podcast at gmail.com. If,
1: if the stuff that you're wearing doesn't make you feel fierce and fantastic. Don't wear it. Yeah. You know, don't be afraid to claim your space within the market. Don't feel like you have to try to either squeeze into skinny clothes or buy clothes that are way too big for you. Uh,
0: I've been experimenting a lot over the last years with over the last year with stretching what I'm comfortable with. Like Mm. allowing a little bit of my belly to show and wearing a lot more tank tops. And one of the things that changed for me is a few years ago, first off, I've always had a lot of issues with taking up the space that I physically take up in the world. I think that our weight loss culture our very fat, negative, thin, privilege culture, all these things that exist, and I'm not here to debate them, so I'm not going to even have that conversation because these are issues that do exist. Our culture normalizes women trying to take up as little space as possible, Mm -hmm. and that is both in our weight and in our voices, in our presence in the world. And I've been struggling with wrestling with knowing I wanted to take up more space and not quite knowing how to do that, or how to own the body that I'm in and the space that I'm in. One of the things I looked at was um, normalizing the way I feel about my body and the things I wear, and confronting those issues, and then trying to, and then trying to shape them positively. And I got a really big shoulder tattoo a few years ago. Um, it's a giant octopus. It's on wonderful. My arm. Thank you. I love it. I love it. I still get compliments on it all the time. And what it caused in me is that I want to just wear tank tops all the time because I want to show my arm and I want to show this tattoo. If you have fat arms, it's normal to feel like the world doesn't want to see them and Mm -hmm. fuck them because I don't care what people want to see. That's the comment a lot whenever you see fat people or disabled people or people who are otherwise non-normative, in non-normative bodies in the media, is the comments are all, nobody wants to see that. Go, well, great, let's file that away under other information that doesn't matter to me. Exactly. That's
1: that's generally... I mean, then people try to back it up with the bullshit, oh, health, blah, blah. Yeah. But it's really that it makes them uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. because it's not something that they are used to seeing, or something that... You know, if it became more normative to see that in society, I bet we wouldn't have that knee-jerk response. Right. But as far as I'm concerned, if you don't want to see that, turn around. Look away. (laughs) There's a
0: lot of things I don't want to see that I see in the world.
1: Just like, there are so many bigger, basically my point is there's so many bigger things to worry about. Like, really, you're going
0: to worry about that. Yep. Exactly. So I don't care if you don't want to see me. But I also started changing where I shopped and branching out on where I thought I could find clothes. And I've um, fallen in love a little bit with the plus section in Forever 21, even though I am 36 years old. And I have to wear a number that is way larger than I would wear in any other store. But if I put that aside, because nobody cares about the number except you um if i put that aside i found some really cute clothes and i stopped caring about whether i should wear them whether i should wear these things after 30 because if i find something that looks cute and makes me feel good i'm gonna buy it
1: yeah exactly there's no fashion police that are going to come up and say, I'm sorry, we're going to ticket you for being too old to wear a, a halter top. Thank or... God. I, I've also been trying to do that. Uh, one of the things that I found very helpful was going through my closet piece by piece, literally trying every single solitary thing on. And if it didn't fit me looking at it and saying, okay, will this fit me in a reasonable amount of time? Like if I'm so attached to this piece of clothing that it'll fit me, say, if I lost like five pounds. Mm-hmm. Five
0: pounds is a good...
1: Five pounds is a good... Because it's a, it's an easy achievable goal. It's not setting, you know, oh, if I lose two sizes, I'll be able to fit in this thing. Mm-hmm. If it'll fit me in five pounds, I'll keep it, put it in a drawer, put it aside with, you know, not keep it in my closet. Mm-hmm. And then anything else, I donated to whatever your local charity is, Mm -hmm. you know, donate it. If it's too ratty, get rid of it. Don't be hanging on to things. You'd be amazed the difference it makes just knowing when you reach in your closet that everything is going to fit you.
0: That's so true. I do a similar thing. I've actually stopped doing the five pound thing because for me, I was holding on to a lot. Mm. Um, And I think it does work for a ton of people. Like most people I know do that. If you do that, you should set a time on it. Yeah. Like you should be like, okay, I check this drawer in one year. If it still doesn't fit, I get rid of it. You think you're going to miss the items and you're not. You're not even going to remember what they are. No, not at all. I was actually just about to say, I had a drawer full of clothes
1: that were like, it was like the five pound drawer. And by the time I got to a point where I could start looking at potentially wearing them again, I had become much more comfortable in myself and realized that I actually didn't like any of them. Yeah. I didn't want to wear any of them anymore because they were all things that I had bought to hide my body.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Now, um, I'm going to jump in with a caveat that financially, it's a big thing to get rid of all of your underwear and buy new underwear. Yes. Or to like clean out your closet and get all new things. I will say that, and I'm not just going to say, oh, anyone can do this if you're just smart with your money, because that's not true. It is not. It is not true. You may be living under financial circumstances that I neither know nor can relate to. And so bless you, you keep doing you. Mm -hmm. Um, That said, if they don't fit you, you're probably not wearing them anyway. And you can probably still get rid of things even if you can't replace them. That's true. That's true. So consider it a process, do whatever you need to do to take care of you in whatever circumstance you are in. And there are lots of ways to practice self-care. Having things in your closet that make you feel good, even if it's just a few, can be really significant.
1: Yeah, it can really change your whole outlook. Shortly after I did the the purge, <laughs> um, as I call it, I went out and I started kind of doing what you said earlier, you know, bending the rules of what I was comfortable with. It started with a lot of Pinterest boards, oodles and oodles of Pinterest boards of all these (laughs) things that I wanted to wear. And then looking into with my body shape is, you know, what of these is going to make me feel good? Mm -hmm. And then just experimenting with... I own like so many sundresses now. I did not own sundresses before. I love sundresses. <laughs> I love them and I own tons of them now. <laughs> and I never would so have good. thought shorts. I own tons of shorts now and I never felt comfortable wearing shorts before. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> it's so great. And it's baby steps. And of course, you're going to have those days where you feel like you look like crap. Oh yeah. Cuz everyone does. It's it's unavoidable. Mm-hmm. Um
0: That's gender neutral right there. It is. Feeling like shit about yourself, that that transcends gender. Absolutely.
1: I mean, when by and large, you know, you're feeling good about yourself more days than not. I mean, every day that's more than not
0: is a win. That's where we're going to stop for this week, folks, because there is a lot more interview left to come and we are going to make an entirely new episode about it. So that is the first half of our interview with Kismet on Come and Play. Stay tuned for the next episode to find out even more, including some great talk about sex toys and what happened to that pink sparkly vibrator. If you're enjoying the podcast, please recommend it to your friends. Share about it on social media if you're willing to admit you listen to this podcast. And leave us a nice review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I also have a Patreon, and you can support the show that way. It's at patreon.com slash Winters. That's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. As always, stay geeky and kinky. Come and Play Podcast is produced by Elia Winters. Like Elia, the theme music is so easy. It's by Jazz R and is being used under a Creative Commons attribution share alike license. Check out more about Jazar on betterwithmusic.com.